Hi, and welcome to Phlogistine Podcast. My name is Will Flom, and today I'm going to be in dialogue with the BBC History Extra podcast discussing the French Revolution. Here's their intro. History has been totally sanitized by the French historians. They, they, they don't talk about these massacres at all, except for saying, you know, oh, a few anti-revolutionaries, counter-revolutionaries were got rid of. But it was practically a genocide in the west of France. So the premise of the author who is being interviewed on the BBC History podcast, History Extra podcast, is that people don't tend to associate the guillotine with the French Revolution, which right there, I'm not sure that he's correct on that, but uh, I just want to lay out his argument, his name, and so forth a little bit more. Here we go. That was Stephen Clark on the French Revolution. Ah, thank you, Stephen Clark. Here we go. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking to the writer Stephen Clark who's made his name writing humorous books about France. So this book is not supposed to be humorous. It's about the French Revolution. And I'm going to try and cut to the chase of what he's getting at and what his main point is. There's stuff like this. Out in Versailles, where the king's palace was, a, a new democratic parliament had already begun working. So basically, he's going to argue that there was a initial phase of a constitutional monarchy that was dominated by moderates that degenerated into a radical phase, and that is why the bloodshed was so terrible in France during the, and in the few years post-revolution. And that if it had not been for the rise of the radicals, a peaceful and more uh, progressive France would have emerged. So this, I, the reason I want to even talk about this, because I feel it's relevant to, de- to, to, to today, as we understand radicals and moderates, this new democracy was going ahead. They were try- They were reforming things. They were writing a new constitution. Now, So what Mr. Clark here is going to say is that the first three years of moderate constitutional government were, the, uh, were destroyed by the rise of the Jacobin radical sect. These aristocrats who still had a measure of power in Parliament um, were blocking the most um, radical reforms, especially as regarding to uh, the taxes they were receiving. And that's Clark's only reference to counter-revolutionaries in the entire interview. You can go listen to it. But here's the thing. I haven't gone and looked this up yet (laughs) to be able to completely prove my point. But if you have three years of moderate government that produces no results because they are being blocked by aristocrats, then why are you blaming the radicals for the degeneration into violence after those initial three years? Isn't it the responsibility of the aristocrats? So he only mentions aristocrats in the parliament or the uh, states general who are blocking legislation. He doesn't mention anywhere in the interview that the same aristocrats were collaborating with foreign powers to raise military forces. It was not... Uh, the, the terror didn't occur in a vacuum. It occurred during the context of a civil war with both sides committing atrocities. He then, um, and you know, I've, I've looked at, I've, I've found, um, I'll have to go find the source, but there, there was a study of where the resistance was most uh, keen during the French Revolution, and those were the pr- areas where the aristocrats were still, uh, where there was a sort of a base of aristocratic power that was local and involved paternalistic or whatever. So like if you had an area, a county or something like that, some region where the local aristocrat remained in the area, 
had been giving out patronage, had helped people in times of emergency, um, was a presence in the neighborhood, as well as the, the local church was active, and you had a, a you know, sort of an active um, elite that could organize resistance, the peasants in that area would have resisted the revolution. This was in certain areas, sort of regionally, but even like from one town to the next, this varied depending on the conditions and where people were loyal to the traditional authorities of aristocrats and church, there was more revolutionary violence and more killing by the revolutionary Jacobin state. So what there was was a civil war and who people lined up with was not always obvious um, based on their class or whatever, and it could depend on local circumstances. I've read that, uh, and if that's the case, that's interesting to note. But more, more generally, if you have the Jacobins, which was the most democratically elected government in the history of Europe, and you have a, because they were elected, uh, the radicals, um, and if there is a force that is collaborating with foreigners, which we now call treason, in order to overthrow a democratically elected government. Why are you letting the aristocratic counter-revolutionaries completely off the hook for all the violence? I think, I think you know, that the revolution eats its own, the horrors of the terror, the political score settling that did happen um, is well known, and he's not breaking new ground with this book. Everybody, that's all that people know about the French Revolution. I think if he wanted to write a groundbreaking or myth-challenging book on the French Revolution, he could, first of all, not fill it with myths and stereotypes that people already have, but actually try to understand what was going on and why the terror occurred. Um, and if he's going to make a case that the terror was internal to the left or to the revolutionaries, and that the counter-revolutionary violence didn't have anything to do with it. He has to make that case, but he didn't even attempt to make it. He dis he ignored counter-revolutionaries. And you, I could, I haven't looked this up because I, I will just tell you how you would figure out which is true or you'd start to figure it out. Oh, hold on a second. Anyway, the way you would figure it out, at least initially, is by looking at the chronology. What happened first? What were the steps that led up to the increase in violence after three years, if that's what you're claiming happened. So, uh, and the, the reason this is interesting is because we have radical approach or moderate approach or conservative or counter-revolutionary approach to politics now, just as they did then. And there's the issue of what is effective, what works, and there's also the issue of how it gets discussed afterwards. And that there is such a, bias in history and in the media, and it goes the same way, that I'm not defending uh, the terror necessarily, but to look at it without the context of the Civil War in a context where one party is collaborating with the foreign enemies of the state and the other is not, and to ignore that those parties are not the same, is not a balanced history. Uh, so if you wanted to give a very... Um, alternative critique of the French Revolution, you wouldn't look at this guy, uh, Clark. I wouldn't go to his book because it seems to be um, the same old, same old moderate uh, take on... Uh, if everybody was moderate and like me, in sort of middle of the road, we wouldn't have any problems. It's not that the aristocrats would never have given up any power if, we, if there hadn't been a threat of violence. 
Um, so the, the concept of um, aristocratic privilege is dead now. It, it, but it didn't die without a fight. And uh, if you wanted to critique the French Revolution, this is not a good one. At least in my opinion, I've heard much better ones from sort of an anarchist perspective, which is while you, you, it's hard to justify people having privileges based on their uh, aristocratic birth, um, a, the, the net effect of the French Revolution was an increase in state power. And that actually people were freer prior to the French Revolution. And that the French Revolution was the culmination of the Enlightenment. And the Enlightenment is when racism was really invented. So those kind of critiques, I think, are much more interesting of what happened in the French Revolution to give you a little bit more of a pause than what Clark is doing, which is just blaming the Committee for, of Public Safety without a lack of context. So let's put that argument of Mr. Clark aside. And, and, as, and I'll try and explain, as much as I've been able to understand it, the idea about the state. Um, and so it, just, just a thought experiment. You know, you're a peasant or a tradesman in a small town or a peasant in a rural area or uh, a worker in a town in pre-revolutionary France, and there are local rules and traditions which are restrictive in a certain way. You, uh, you couldn't, you know, that it, and it would be extremely grating that the, the, if you had a, a dispute with your landlord, you'd go to court, and your landlord is also the judge. <laughs> that would be highly irritating. And there would be the fact that political power goes by birth. Why? Why should this moron have political power simply because he's his last name and another trader or merchant who has more success uh, even and uh, has no power? This is also the establishment of the church um, and the complete control over education. There's a lot to complain about in pre-revolutionary France. But right after the revolution, we had some new things that they didn't uh, have to complain about. Um, with Napoleon, shortly after, their, after the revolution, you have the military draft. In pre-revolutionary France, there was no military draft. There was essentially no police. There was only about 5,000 uh, constables or, or officials through, spread through the entire nation of France. So you had no police and you had no draft. Just to give you a heads up on why the French Revolution might, if you wanted to critique it, it wouldn't be because the of the terror, in my opinion, uh, unless you you only critique. Well, the terror is is an example of state violence. So you're saying that now you're giving the state the ability to do this. Uh, you're not you're not critiquing one party versus the other. You're 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 looking at the. Uh, increasing power of the state to intervene in people's lives and were you really freer when you came out the other end of this process of revolution yes uh, aristocratic birth is dead or it's on its way to dying it took a while, quite a while <laughs> before it was completely abolished but um, and these local privileges that would go to certain people versus another you know that that uh that ended. You had an efficiency increase after the 
uh, revolution. You had the policy po- possibility of mass politics, and eventually you could have the concept of of equal rights sort of trickle down. Um, but is any of that worth it when you're also empowering the state to take your sons and send them off to war to uh, to efficiently tax you more efficiently than before and to uh, uh, to be able to execute you if you just dis- if they disagree with you so uh, uh, that's that's where I would look for a more substantial critique of the French Revolution. And then the argument about radicals, moderates, um, which Mr. Clark put, puts out in that, uh, that podcast or in that interview, um, it's just very familiar, where you blame the radicals for genuinely wanting to achieve certain goals. So in, the, in a way, I'm both blaming and not blaming the Committee of Suff- the, the Jacobins. The Jacobins, perhaps ac- accidentally or perhaps not, increased the power of the state and reduced human freedom. They also had a series of legitimate objectives which they managed to achieve despite armed resistance. So that's it. I don't know. What's, is it worth it? Uh, uh, I don't, I'm not going to render a final judgment. I'm just re-steering this conversation that I had heard, trying to, Jump in there and say, hey, wait a second. If you want to critique the French Revolution, you're doing it the wrong way. In my opinion, you're going the wrong way. There's a very deep critique of the revolution, but it's not the one you're doing. So uh, that's going to be it for today. And thank you for listening. Flo Gistine, out. <laughs>